0: This is Over the Top Cycling in Boulder, Colorado. You're listening to our Ultra Cycling Show. Our guest tonight, Lori Hecklin. You know, it's not often that I'm completely blown away by somebody's accomplishments in cycling. I'm really, really impressed. But Lori Hecklin just did something that left my jaw on the floor. (laughs) Lori, thanks so much for joining us tonight.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad
0: to do it. So, when I saw George Vargas post that you had done eight repeats up Laup de Wez, I was thinking, that can't be in a row. And then I thought, <laughs> but he wouldn't have said repeats. <laughs> and sure enough, you got to tell us about it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was just unbelievable. So you go to France, and what was it that made you want to climb that pass? Eight- you
1: know, it's funny. I had climbed, well, the whole trip came together as just a gift from my son, basically. He had a, uh, he's an actor, and he had a plus one ticket to France. And I had told him, he took his dad to uh, Australia and his brother to Amsterdam, and I told him if he ever got a ticket to France, if that one had my name on it. (laughs) And it just happened to be during the tour to France, so it could not have been more perfect. And I actually, when I went over there, not knowing exactly what I was going to do, I met him in Spain, and I knew I was flying to France to be on my own for two weeks, and I'm an adventuresome person, but I'm also a huge planner. And so not having anything laid out um, in specifics, I went ahead and just went on the computer and logged in and found some cycling tour out of the Netherlands. Of course, everybody was asking me what cycling tour, and I seemed like nobody knew this group, so I was <laughs> a little um, And then it ended up that when I got over there, or right before I was going, I found out a friend was actually going to be there. And because I had like four days between the time I was leaving Spain and the time I was joining my tour. And she's like, oh, well, come ride with us for four days. We'll get you a bike and, you know, you can come stay with us. So it added four days of cycling to my adventure. And when I was there with them, we kind of started talking about Everesting. And there was another house guest there that knew of Everesting. And I was under the impression that you couldn't Everest um, a climb that had been done thought that was what the rules were on the health 500 site or i guess everesting.cc and he basically told me no that's not true you can everest and that you know climb that's been done and so i'm like hmm well i was thinking about doing it at my by my house this year on newport coast which would have been 60 repeats on a totally boring hill that everybody (laughs) in orange county could be be aware of because One hill here we climb. And I've been doing a lot of training on that this year, but um, it just didn't thrill me. Like all of a sudden, I thought, oh my gosh, to be able to do it on AlphaWeb would be awesome. And so then my girlfriend that was there said, well, I'll I'll be your support crew for you if you want to do it. Then I started thinking more seriously about it, and um, I moved over to my chalet where I was staying with my tour group. And they informed me they'd get me a bike um, with a granny gear for my climbing. And so I really, it's like everything lined up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, to do it here on a day I had free anyway um, versus coming home and doing it on Newport Coast 60 times, there was just no comparison. (laughs) So I just, I couldn't resist the challenge to do it. And I didn't really tell too many people outside of the people I was staying with in France Um, obviously they all knew about it, but I really didn't tell anybody back home just in case something went awry. But honestly, I, um, I, like I said, I had done that climb two other days, one time each. And it wasn't that brutal to me. I mean, I think the elevation, the way the first five hairpins are the, are the hardest, um, and you get past that area and the rest of it's kind of, um, an incline that I, it's a weird thing, 6 to 8% I don't feel. Um, as long as I'm, you know, going in an easy gear, I can spin up that all day. So I thought, you know let's give it a try, and it just seemed like basically it was a two-hour round trip um, for most of the day. I only had two hiccups the whole day. Uh, the other thing that was awesome was the weather it had been thunderstorming every afternoon with just torrential rain, and this was the one day during that week that I woke up and it was cloudy and cool, and it never got hot enough to generate any thunderstorms, and so I had perfect weather all day as well. So well, I just I couldn't ask for a better, a better day.
0: I love how you said 6 to 8%. I can do that all day, and you did.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I really can. I, it's just one of those freakish things that I actually prefer being a 6, 6 to 8% grade rather than flat. That's just where I excel, and so if it gets deeper than that, I feel it, and I work it a little bit, but I'm one of these fortunate few, I guess, that I never really get lactic acid filled um, Yeah, and I know George gets really <laughs> really frustrated with me, because even on our double on Saturday, he's trying to explain to me that it's a feeling that I don't know, but he has, you know, so... Um, yeah, I just I feel very fortunate that I was totally able to recover by the time I got back down the hill.
0: So how many times did you go up? I saw eight, but that it was, eight. was It was, it was eight. Almost
1: eight, exactly. The funny thing was, um, you know, I calculated, even changed my watch to meters, because I knew it had to be 88-48. And uh, so what had happened, the two hiccups that really kind of screwed up my day, for one, I left at 5.30 a.m. from the chalet, and it was cold and my chalet was two thousand feet up. So you start out on a descent, which was freezing when I was going that early in the morning and I just I had to slow that down just because I was so cold. And then the Alp d'Huez is off of a little roundabout and I said I had been up it twice. Somehow I missed the I took the first turn. I don't know if I was just over anxious. I took the first little out off the roundabout, and it took me out towards and oh gosh, it's like the biggest national park in France. I forget the name of it, but I had done that ride previously that week, and I'm like, this just seems like it's further than I remember the Alps West being. So I kept pedaling about four more miles and realized this is definitely wrong. So I turned around, so I got about a 45-minute later start than I'd planned. Um, the good news over there is it doesn't get dark until 10. So that was my other thing because I was really hoping to get started at six and be finished by ten and not have to worry about riding in the dark at all. But because of that hiccup I started forty five minutes late. And then honestly the only other hiccup I had all day was um there was uh, the Wes Cycle shop. I'm totally messing up their name. Was I think it's Wes Cycle and they're at the top of it. And I had gone to their shop on on the, um, the day before I was doing the Everest thing and dropped, dropped off my backpack with my nutrition and my winter gear and he said I could sag out of his shop Cycle Wed. sorry he's the name and um, so he was awesome let, let me leave my backpack in there but somehow of course he was crazy busy with the Tour de France and everything and my gal Ellen Kirk who was doing my crew for me she was supposed to pick it up around 7 and she called him and said she was running late and somehow Just a miscommunication. She thought he was leaving it outside the store. So when she got up there, she looked for it, and it wasn't there. And it had my winter gear, my nutrition, and my um, compacts, my hammer compacts that I put in there just in case I felt the need to do some muscle stimulation if I was sore. And uh, so I was totally paranoid somebody had stolen my backpack. So we waited about 45 minutes. Luckily, the owner's wife had given me her business card. And so we had a cell number to call. Finally got a hold of him about 45 minutes later and he came to the shop and got the pack out. So I had a delay there, which caused me to have to descend my last time in the dark. But Ellen had contacted some guys that were sitting around in the village that were shocked at what I was doing. And they were from Ireland. And one of the guys, she talked him into going down even after he'd had five beers. (laughs) going down the (laughs) mountain with me and escorting me back up to the last climb. So the only climb I had in the darkness is I had company, plus I had the SAG support there that was with me the whole way up. And then um, an experience I'll just never forget. I got to ride through Dutch Corner. Of course, they've been counting how many times I've been going up and down all day. And uh, they were totally filling the streets, fireworks going off, left me just a tiny lane to go through. I mean, it really, truly felt like a Tour de France rider going through. They just went nuts. And it just made, I mean... Be honest it was just the most I can't even explain it unfortunately the guy I rode with got it on video and I don't have any way to contact him because that's a speed I would love to have but it was just an experience of a lifetime and then to have everybody at the top some people at the top to you know celebrate it with me when I was done was amazing so the only other thing that was crazy was on the eighth climb my low battery on my garment started to show and I was flipping out because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if it dies on me before I get this eighth climb in and I started pedaling faster and told the guy I was riding with, I'm sorry, I'm not mean to drop you, there's just no way in hell I'm letting this not finish with my watch. So um, yeah, that was a scare that kept me motivated and pedaling on and back the last time that they checked it, I was right at 88.48 and I just said, you know, I'm going to write up a few more, (laughs) a few more just to make sure and uh, call it a day. So it was it was an incredible day, for sure.
0: Because if the Garmin's gone, <laughs> yeah. and there's no proof, you didn't no, do it.
1: it doesn't count. Oh. And the thing is, I knew that I've had that low battery warning before, and it's usually like two hours before it goes out. And the problem was, I didn't know when that warning came on. And so I, was, <laughs> I, I did charge it for a little bit while I was waiting in the village, and I think I ate finally after my sixth one. Um, I had a sandwich and I charged the garment for like 10 minutes, but obviously not enough to not give me that warning. So probably good because it kept me motivated riding faster on the H1 anyway and getting it done. So it's all good.
0: When did the locals start realizing something pretty cool was going on?
1: You know, I think it was probably actually around the third one up, I think, um, you know, I had my bright pink red kit on, and it was definitely noticeable. And the thing that was so cool was because it was only two days before the tour came through. Pretty much all the corners had people on them already with their motorhomes and camping out waiting for the tour. So I basically, you know, I ride up the ramp, and then every time I turn the corner, I had people that were cheering me on. And you know, I feel better, here. Poor George, he did his Everesting on Saturday. I did mine on Thursday. He did his on Saturday at Mount Palomar, totally different experience, out in the middle of nowhere, no (laughs) company, no anything. And I'm like, honestly, my day was like, I mean, it was just awesome to have that kind of support all the way up, you know, and then all the way down. I mean, they cheered me going up and down, and obviously 16 trips, they got to know me. So it was very cool. In fact, I went back up on Saturday. When the tour came through, I wrote it one time, and just, people were clapping, and I'm just like, one time today, that's it. And uh, but just to thank them because it really they helped make it so so much more pleasant than it would have been had I been out at Port Mount Palomar doing it by myself. You know that that took a lot more discipline for sure.
0: Well, I had a couple of shows tonight at a restaurant here in Boulder, and you were the topic of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. We were. I'm kind of wondering why, with all the beautiful climbs around there, you didn't maybe make a loop out of it. But I mean, to be on Alpe d'Huez and just be able to go up and down—how cool is that?
1: Yeah, and you can't do a loop. I mean, that is the whole. As far as I'm, how I interpret it, it has to be a Strava segment, and it has to be a repeat. And it's just however many times – I know George did it on Palomar. that He's the first and only one to do it on Palomar. I could have been the first and only one to do it on Newport Coast. But to me, it wasn't as epic as being the first woman to do it on Alps the West. And how many times will I get to go there? I don't I'm hoping to make it an annual trip after this year. But <laughs> I was there, and I was, like, not going to not attempt it when I was there. So, yeah, I think you basically have to find a hill – or a climb, and repeat it as many times as it takes to get to the Everesting height.
0: So, what is the appeal of Everesting? What do you What do you think it is? That's really grabbing people about this.
1: You know, I think it's just because it's something so epic. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny how many people I see now. In fact, a friend of mine unfortunately, just went down trying to Everest this weekend, and he didn't tell anybody he was going to do it. And it is kind of one of those things you kind of want to tell people because it keeps you accountable to it. When you feel like quitting, you feel like you've told enough people that you have to do it. But at the same time, you don't really want to say it because you don't know what – I mean, it's a long day, and a lot can happen out there on a long day. you know, my my climbs were pretty much all the same. I know George had some issues on the 7th and had to get off the bike a lot. It took him a lot longer because of that. Mine, basically, all my climbs were the same. I didn't really feel any more tired on the 8th than I did on the 1st. Um, so for me, it, it was the perfect climb. But like I said, I think it's because a lot of the this is in the first half hour of the climb. And you have another hour up that's just kind of, you know, turning the pedals over. And then you coast down for half an hour, you know, and fill your bottles in between and go again. So for me, I just, I didn't, and that's the difference, I think, between him and I is he does have fatigue buildup. And I really don't as long as I'm not, as long as I'm not going hard. In fact, our double this weekend, I remember thinking, you know, 200 miles to do 15,000 feet, how hard is that? You know, after doing the Everest 130 miles and 29,000 feet. I'm like, guys, oh, it shouldn't feel that bad. But it was way harder to do the double. And I don't know if it's just because we were at race pace or because we were on a tandem or that just that there's a lot of steep, steep stuff on the tandem. Um, I don't know. But it definitely was a harder day this last weekend. And I really, I took it easy last week in between. So I don't think there was any real leftover Residual from my everything. I think everything is just something that so few people do um, that it makes you want to do, especially if you're a climber, which is what I love to do.
0: And how yeah. epic to hit Laupuwez two days before the tour comes through, and you've got a cheering section out there. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, it was like everything was put into place. Like, how could I come back home and do it somewhere around here where nobody thought I was anything but crazy where over there everybody was you know just applauding the effort so just like I said there was no comparison once I had it in my head that it could work I thought there's just no way I can't do it now and then it was really neat because when I was staying at the chalet um, they kind of made a point (laughs) last night about you know how Tour de France writers they got to do epic you know they got to do Alpe d'Huez once and yeah that's a big deal but we have some lady here who did it eight times in one day. And they gave me their jersey and everything to wear over here in the States. So it was cool. I mean, I really, at the time, didn't realize how big a deal it was. And now reflecting back, it's just something that I will just will never forget.
0: So you've got to walk us through the climb. What's it like? You've done it now ten times because you've done it twice before. I've... You did eight in a row here. The steepest parts at the bottom. Um, yes. Not in like painstaking detail, but but just kind of take us up out to west.
1: Well, you know the thing I, that I noticed about the way their roads are over there versus the kind of climbing we have here in California is that and I really prefer it is they have kind of the steeper section on the ramp itself as you're crossing and traversing over. When you get to the hairpin turn, it actually almost levels out. So you kind of get into a rhythm going up this long ramp and then you level out going up, you know, when you make your hairpin turn, which gives you a little bit of recovery there and then all of a sudden you kind of ramp it up again. And for me, I like that because I can really get in a rhythm on the climbing and then get a little relief, take my drink um, and then start climbing again. Where around here, we don't have the long traversing across, we have more windy climbs And it seems like the climbs, when you get into a turn here and anywhere, even in Colorado, when I was in Colorado climbing a month ago, it seems like a lot of the turns got steeper and you had to pretty much get up out of the saddle and climb. And honestly, I never, because I was able to get into a rhythm on the ramp and then be able to just settle in and enjoy the recovery on the turn, I never really even had to get out of my saddle other than to just stretch my back. Um, you know, and give myself a break in a different position. But I never felt the need that I had to stand up just to get up the hill. So, um, you know, there was a nice restaurant right after turn five. And, and I just started counting the turns. You know, you had turn 10 was the Irish corner, turn 7 was the Dutch corner. And and it was just neat to know. And like every time I start approaching the Dutch corner because they were so wild and it was so filled. Um, you know, they were, they were out there with hoses hosing me down and <laughs> doing some crazy stuff because they'd all been drinking, but it just made me laugh, you know. And I wouldn't actually just really look forward to getting to that corner because I knew I'd be entertained and encouraged. And it helped me get up the rest of the mountain. So uh, I probably the top was the hardest just because although there was stretches of people up there, you know, motorhomes were just solidly lined up at the top had men with their clown noses and, you know, I had some guys blaring a boombox that would run alongside me for a while. And I mean, I just, I, I can't even remember all the special things that took place on the way up. It was just very entertaining and kind of totally took the focus off the fact that I was even riding a bike. I mean, it was just fun to watch. I would have, I would have driven through that to see the same thing, but of course I wouldn't have gotten the same response. So it was, it was very cool.
0: Lori, what is on deck for you the rest of this season? I see you're getting ready for the 508.
1: I'm getting ready for the 508. Um, we, we, we had a discussion on Saturday that he was just done doing doubles. And, uh, so I said, so I guess that means we can take the 508 off the calendar too. And he's like, thank God. And, <laughs> uh, and today he posted that we're doing it. So I guess, I guess he's, he's, he's better now and reconsidered. I mean, last year, we, uh, well, the funny thing was on this last double, I mean, we both are probably in the best shape we've been in. You know, we both did the ever thing. We both have over 700,000 feet of climbing for the year, Um, and we're just really well-trained. And the funny thing was we had come in to, uh, uh, we came into it, well, actually, we had to pull into a sag stop on the double that Paul and Sarah, who are our nemesis, I mean, they're just a fantastic couple, and they're fast. And They challenge us to be better, for sure, and, uh, you know, they were the stage race. We DNF'd on the second one because of the mechanical, so we were out of it, and we ended up being on their wheel for a majority of the double, and we pulled into a rest stop that they didn't have to stop for, and George just told me, you know, they're just faster and better than we are, and they're not really trying that hard because they've already won the stage race. And, you know, when you're tired, you've been up at 3.30 and you've been working your butt off to get there. You don't want to hear that, you know, that you're not as good when you've been holding that wheel. And so I kind of lost it a little bit and was upset and couldn't figure out why I was upset. And it's like, I knew we worked really hard, you know, to be able to stay with them. And I knew that Paul is way too much of a competitor to just settle in and say, oh, we've already got this stage race wrapped up, so we don't need to work it hard today, you know. And I'm like, I'm looking at the time, and I'm thinking, they're working at a really fast-paced time, so no, they're not cruising today, you know? And uh, so it wasn't too much longer in the day. We had a flat that just got us off their wheel, and then we ended up catching them at about mile 125. They had to sag, where we didn't. And we were rolling, and they happened to pull out of the stop, and we were back together at mile 125, and kind of reached back and grabbed my hand, like, okay, you're right. And so we just we stayed with them for a while, and they ended up getting a break ahead of a car. And they did have the advantage. They know those roads up there. You know, we're both from down here, so we don't know the northern Cal roads as well. And they took off and got ahead of a car that we got stopped behind. And we never did catch him. but we ended up finishing, like, just a little over 30 minutes behind them. In the previous one, we were, like, two hours behind them. So wow. we definitely have improved. And, uh, but along the way, like I said, he was, he was adamant that he was done doing the suffering and didn't want to do the 508. And so anyway, yeah, we're back on track to do that. And that's probably my last epic thing of the year. We'll do probably maybe one more double, this local, um, that we had talked about doing. And then I kind of got to figure out what I want to do for next year because I have been asked to do RAM. It's two person. Um, which I'd be honored to do it with her, Sarah. I'm forgetting her name, but just finished, just got introduced to her, Sarah from Australia, uh-huh. Sarah Matthews. And uh, it's just I'm trying to decide whether I'd prefer to do that or try to tackle raw by myself. That's a thought as well. So I'm gonna kind of see how it plays out and what looks the best to do for me next year. I mean, that both of them have their advantages. Uh you know, doing Ram last year as a team was fun, doing it as a two person I think would be extremely fun. A woman only team would be fun. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I I don't I haven't eliminated either one of those two things happening. And I do want to go back to France. So my thing is how many races do I want to keep doing or do I want to put all that money into another France trip? So yeah, it's just too much to do, you know.
0: Well that's a good thing. Lori Heckman It is a good thing. Thank you so much for visiting with us. I have been wanting to talk to you ever since I saw that. This has been great.
1: I appreciate it, George. It's been great talking to you, and hopefully we will see you out there somewhere again soon. All right. Over the top cycling in Boulder, Colorado. I am George Thomas.